Hello, and welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast. It's Brittany, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite one. That's probably my favourite ever. That's the best one. Uh, hello, Andrew. How you doing? Some beating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. How are you getting on this week? Uh, very well, man. Very well. Really, 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 like, busy with work and stuff. I know that's not a really exciting way to start a podcast, but my brain is just full of stuff just so full of stuff so it's nice to come and do like the sort of brain oasis that is just talking about music for a bit um and not really thinking about stuff you know yeah are you trying to say music doesn't matter uh, say it's not important yeah yeah that's what i'm saying that is what i'm saying what are you going to say about it yeah seems fair <laughs> no, <laughs> no, let's I talk about music for an hour <laughs> no it's just nice to like switch off from like i don't know the mini budget and like uh rising gas and energy prices <laughs> and all that and just like think about some like cool tunes for a little bit i think that's i think that's pretty cool yeah that sounds good that in that way it really matters more when you think about it absolutely so who are you <laughs> great question man i'm ian and i'm in glasgow band the, the deadline shakes and you can find us on all your social media platforms, but we would particularly like it if you found us on Bandcamp, on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, we are just under a week away from our exciting new album news. So um, by the time we're recording again next week, Andrew, yes, I'll have lots to lots to share and talk about by then. Yes. Yours. And yeah, my name is Andrew. I buy records and write about them at kadegh86 on Instagram. Yes, and if you're a person who looks at a mobile phone ever, then you should follow Andrew on Instagram. Please. Ask really nicely there. I said, please. 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 Okay. Um, cool. So, uh, so yeah, what have you been up to this weekend? You've been doing anything musical? I have, actually, yeah. I was at a gig on Friday night. Um, I went to see a group called Joanne Jones and Indications at St. Luke's in Glasgow. Mm. And, uh, St. Luke's. yeah. It was absolutely great. Fantastic gig. Um, they're a little bit of a kind of 60s, 70s throwback soul revival type group. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the course of the kind of three albums, they've gone from something that's maybe a little bit kind of gritty, a little bit more kind of R&B maybe, uh, and, and getting increasingly smooth. And they kind of go into a kind of... The last, the last record uh, was more of a kind of uh, Philly soul, early disco kind of thing kind of vibe mm-hmm. um, and yeah it just worked really really well live uh, they've got two singers so they've got Duran Jones and they've also got uh, Aaron Fraser who's like a singing drummer um, and F- Aaron Fraser in particular I think his voice is just absolutely gorgeous he's got this, he's got this kind of uh, high keening falsetto that's very kind of reminiscent of Smokey Robinson which is just a just total catnip for me Ah. Um and yeah, Duran Jones was is great as well. I kind of I kind of feel a little sorry for Duran Jones. I feel like sometimes he's getting um kind of outshined in his own group by Aaron Fraser a bit. Damn. And and like whenever Aaron Fraser sings, um uh, you know if Duran Jones is singing, Aaron Fraser's playing the drums. But mm-hmm. if Aaron Fraser's singing, Duran Jones is just kind of standing there, <laughs> <laughs> judging you, like, just like kind of clapping. I think you could just get the man a tambourine or something, get him something to do when he's not singing. But um, but yeah, the, I, uh, it seems to work for them. Um, they are a really, really good group. I was actually talking to a couple of the band members after the gig and 
uh, they were saying that they've been on the road for months and you could tell like they were so tight and they knew exactly what they were doing and yeah fantastic set um and they do an amazing cover of young americans as well Ooh, uh, so yeah so yeah fantastic set and sold out crowds that just lapped it up so yeah just a, a winner for a friday night oh sounds fantastic you can't beat a bit of bully or boy uh that's true so uh that's good so you had a, a lovely friday night and um you pointed out to me earlier on as well um there's a sort of bit of sad music news that we should probably talk about as well yeah i just wanted to kind of you know what just kind of tip my hat to Ferro sanders who uh, passed a couple of days ago at the age of 81 just an incredible um you know jazz musician just one of the greatest most important musicians i would say not even just in jazz but in general just uh, somebody that was just a total kind of sonic pioneer and spiritual jazz adventurer and just mm-hmm. somebody that was always kind of moving on to the next thing never stood still always kept his ears open even up even until the very end you know so we, we talked about that incredible record from last year that he did with uh floating points and the london symphony orchestra mm-hmm. um which was just an absolutely gorgeous piece of work um, and it was actually him that had sought out um floating points you know he kind of musician in his late 70s kind of having his ear to the ground and, and hearing this quite you know quite fresh quite strange electronic music but thinking you know i could do something with him and it's mm-hmm. just, just kind of very kind of uh indicative of what the, what he, what it was like so yeah just from from the incredible music that he made with Coltrane uh, Alice Coltrane as well um to all the amazing records under his own name you know there's so many of them I've only really scratched the surface of his um solo work but just so many gorgeous records that he's made yeah. and uh, yeah it'll be a big loss Thank you. 
I'll co-sign that one by saying that um, not a musician I was really familiar with until we uh, it was albums of the year we were doing, wasn't it? And we, yeah. we had listened to the Floating Points record, and you said to me, uh, you recommended a track. I've forgotten which track it was now, but you said if you get the chance, can you go and listen to the whole record because it'll make a lot more sense if you do. And uh, I'm really glad I did. It was it was very very special, very special indeed. So uh, a sad loss, a sad loss. Um, and I was just reading an article uh, on The Guardian earlier on, this is a little bit unrelated um, just from today um, and the headline basically says it's a quote, there's endless choice but you're not listening um, fans quitting Spotify to save their love of music um, and okay. it's basically a trend that seems to be happening at the moment of people coming away from um Spotify and Apple Music and and those types of services um, because they feel like it's the same, I guess, with the sort of endless scroll on Netflix and whatever else that having access to infinite content some for some people means they interact with it less um, and don't and don't listen. Now I know that's not you, um, but are you aware of this sort of phenomena? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I definitely recognise it, and it's something that I, I kind of fight against um, in my own listening. Really, I mean, I use I use Spotify a lot, you know, especially in doing this show, just to kind of, you know, just sample things and road test things and see what's out there. But yeah, I just always go back to, um, you know, buying the records that really mean a lot to me and that that I can tell are going to mean a lot for me to me for for the kind of uh, foreseeable future kind of thing mm. so I think those are the ones that I'm that I'm going to go back to time and time again and take a deep dive with and really kind of you know when I put the the needle on the record that's when I'm I'm having that in the foreground I very rarely have music on in the background um you know music that I really like so so yeah so that's something that that I do try and do myself just to kind of keep it in the foreground and keep it special for me, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, cool. I can totally, I can totally recognise that that sense that you're just just endlessly scrolling through th- through stuff. I, I, I find, uh, you know, you get the kind of recommendations, the kind of weekly recommendations playlist. I find that very rarely those things are things that I genuinely really like. You know, they're, they're kind of they're kind of what I like, but they're never quite spot on in terms of what they're recommending to me. I think. You can always fight. You can. It's always best to kind of trust your own judgment. I think these things. Yeah, I think as well. Like when I think about the records that mean a lot to me, um, I, I'd say the vast majority of them come from the era before streaming. Um, right. Because you know, I would, as you say, go and seek out a physical copy of something, or even digitally buy something, um, and then you were kind of you kind of stuck with it. For a while, whether it was great or awful, and you sort of felt obliged to give it a couple of <laughs> lessons anyway, yeah. uh, because you'd, you'd invested ten quid or whatever. So um, I, I can think of lots of records, but quite a lot of the sort of this is going to be a strange, a strange pick out of nowhere. But see the sort of middle period, Primal Scream. 
like um, uh, uh, Vanishing Point and stuff like that. Right. That is a record that I came to truly, truly deeply love. That on a first listen, I just thought, this is just tosh. Like, I just don't, I don't know why I bought this. This feels like a waste of money. But I was like, ah, oh, I better like spin it a couple of times in because I've, I've got it already. And, and, now I would consider it probably one of my favorite. I mean, Scream of Delica aside, it's probably my favorite Primal Scream record. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I have changed my listening habits a lot um, via streaming because I find like you know a lot of my music listening was being done in the car or whilst I was doing something else, um, as opposed to as you say, kind of just sitting down with the focus being on actually the music itself. But the beauty of doing this podcast for me is that. You're curating a playlist for me every week, which I do, do, which I do enjoy, and then that kind of forces me to actively listen to the track. I can't, I can't just put these on in the background and kind of do a bunch of other stuff. I've got to like, I've got to concentrate on them. So I've got something hopefully cogent to say about them. So um, yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, there was there was a there was a another article that I think is kind of linked to that with, with the Guardian, and and they were, it was Alex Petrusis, and he was talking about the fact that. When there's kind of limitless choice, people just kind of, you know, either they, they freeze or they're intimidated or they, they just can't be bothered and they just turn back to the kind of the old favourites or, yeah. or the acts that they know. So it's actually making it a kind of shallower pool rather than kind of opening out uh, in terms of exploration for people. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, but there's also as well, there's also as well, I've found having limitless access to the things that I've heard a lot in a way stops me from going back to the things that I've, that I'm filled up with. Like, so, you know, there's parts of the Beatles catalogue, which I would say are probably my favourite music catalogue of any act ever, right? There's parts of it that I listened to so, so much when I was younger that even now that it's very easy for me to just pop something like that on, I'm just kind of like, ah, I've heard that a lot. Like I've, I've almost like gleaned all the information out of it that I'm going to get in some ways. Um, and if it comes on somewhere or whatever, you know, it can still have a good effect on me, but I'm rarely seeking out those things. So I'm actually, I, I would say I'm almost the opposite of what Alexis Petridis is saying. Um, but I can clearly understand how people just end up coming back again and again and again to the same, the same things. It's like, um, it's like the receding, the receding high. It was like the law of diminishing returns though. I find yeah. like, you know, you can't go back to the same things all the time because the, the initial rush that you got, Wears off, wears off, wears off. Even on genius stuff. Um, so I try to, I try to spin the classics sparingly, basically. Um, all right, that's us done. That's us done. Some lovely chat there. Um, I and listen, if guys, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you have a strong opinion about, I'm sure we've got some. I'm sure we've got some avid. Uh, vinyl fans um out there or maybe we've got some folk who are addicted to spotify send us a message let us know what you think yeah absolutely please do and um please reassure us that we're doing the right thing uh giving you some new music every week yeah um, which is what we're going to do this week do you know uh, this is going to be quite a long intro because i'm going to say something that just popped into my head but it was really nice doing last week's um film music review with fraser um a bit of a break from the norm um and uh yeah i really enjoyed it yeah it was great it was great and we got some really nice feedback from it as well and uh yeah fraser just knows his stuff like you know it, when he initially sent me that message i was just like yep we're gonna do that and it's gonna be really good because because yeah i just knew that fraser 
uh, Budesit, and he did. He did. And uh, yeah, he spoke really, really well. Yeah, I, I was. Um, it's always a bit nerve wracking, isn't it? Because we've done a bunch of like, I mean, that wasn't really an interview, really, but we've done a bunch of like interview podcasts um, where there's a bit of worry for me that like the you know who who knows what microphone you know what I mean you can't like message someone and say you know what kind of microphone have you got or like you know what are you going to record this on so you're always just hoping that someone's like thoughtful enough to kind of have have that kind of covered and the sound quality is good and everything but he was like sound good like knew what he was talking about and uh, yeah I was I was suggesting last week that maybe maybe we've got something else down the line that that us two and Fraser could. Uh, work on podcast podcast wise speaking yeah definitely I think that'll that's definitely in the pipeline yep, yeah that'll cool. happen that'll happen cool so what are we up to this week then some new music yes we're back on the new music this week so we've got new tracks from Witch Loyal Karner The Mars Volta View Farco Toure and Krangbin and Ari Lennox cool uh, not, not to be confused, confused with Annie, Annie Lennox <laughs> <laughs> oh you little bird love it um cool so uh so that's our new music tracks uh this week and i know i know before we even talk about it you must be absolutely buzzing about this first track am i right <laughs> i am yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah a bit of a a pod a pod favorite i guess this, this would probably be on the bingo card by this point a deep but cut. yeah a deep cut yeah but yeah it's very excited to hear some new music from which
so that was our first new track for today and that was Witch and Wally and uh, yeah as as we as we kind of mentioned before the track you know we've mentioned Witch a fair few times in this podcast now um, they were actually the first ever vinyl word that I brought in ah that's true yeah um, where I featured uh, their album Lazy Bones, which was the third in a series of albums that they did in the mid seventies, uh, that are all considered uh, classics of the genre known as Zamrock. Mm. And again, that's a kind of recurring thing that we've talked about, um, as well as some of the other African music that we featured on the podcast uh, over time. And Zamrock, for anybody that doesn't know, is a kind of ragged, politicized take on Western rock that a lot of these African groups were doing in the mid seventies. Um, and uh, yeah, in that vinyl word segment, I talked about how the, the leader of the group, Emmanuel Jaggery Chanda, uh, had got his name in tribute to Mick Jagger, mm-hmm. and how like after that cracking run of albums, like so many of the groups around that time, um, they, they they ceased recording in the late seventies due to the kind of political and economic turmoil that was happening in their in their country at the time. And um, it was only really in the late 2010s or during the 2010s that, that their music was rediscovered. So there was a label called Now Again Records that were reissuing a lot of this stuff and did a really good job with it. And there was also a documentary called We Intend to Cause Havoc, which was um, a, a director going and searching out uh, Jaggery, who is the only original member. And he kind of talked, through through their story and in that documentary as well uh, they worked to to get a band together for Jaggery to play um, this music live um, in the film Um, and since then they've done some live shows um, and there's been a lot of kind of acclaim for those but I never thought we'd actually get any new music from them so it's been really it's really cool that we've now got this track they also appeared on that Sampa the Great album Mm -hmm. That, that came out recently as well so yeah very very cool that they're up and running again um and this track isn't technically new it's a track that the keyboardist um brought to the group in 1978 um and it's a track that they played live but never recorded at the time yeah. um and so so when they when they brought this band uh, together um it was a track that they kind of jammed out and they were enjoying the feel of it and now they've got it down on tape as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really pleased to have it. Um, the group uh, consists of uh, among it are uh, somebody called Jacko Gardner, who's a really cool uh, psych pop artist, uh, whose whose albums I'd recommend. Uh, he's he's there on bass, and there's also another link from a previous pod. So if you remember Johnny, oh, how could I forget the project led by Carl Hector, aka JJ. Uh, Whitefield, yeah so, J- yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so JJ Whitefield's actually in the band as well. Uh, he's on guitar, and I think there is um, a, a kind of similarity between uh, what what that Johnny album sounded like uh, and what's happening here. So it's got a kind of vintage sound, but it's also quite a crisp, uh, unfussy production as well. Yeah. Um. So I'd say it's a kind of modernized take on that Zamrock sound. You don't quite get that kind of splintered anarchic energy that's on some of those early uh, witch tracks uh, but but I still think it sounds energetic and I still think it sounds good 
what what do you think of it? What do you think of the track itself? Oh, I think based on the fact that it's like a like a forty year layoff, <laughs> near enough. I mean, it's it's got it's a lot better than it has any right to be, really. Yes, um, yeah. it, it, in a way, you think this will either be ultra ultra slick, or it will be totally discombobulated. And it's neither. It's sort of just right, right on the money. Quite yeah. on brand for them as well. If that's not too mm-hmm. horrible a marketing phrase to use, but um, yeah, I, re- I really liked it, and I, I just knew from the first couple of bars just the feeling of it. It just it feels like the same type of material you were you were showing us in that final word uh, many moons ago, but it's got a much more modern sounding recording process attached to it. Yeah, and I think it benefits from it. I mean, obviously, sort of the point of their type of music is that it does sound a bit scuzzy and rough. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think smoothing out some of the 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 hiss and fuzz that might have been associated with their seventies recordings lets them be um, just lets them you know breathe a little bit and makes the track mm-hmm. have a sort of wider scope. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I I think it's great for me. The highlights are you mentioned the bass playing. Um, in headphones, the bass playing is ultra bassy, like really, really, really deep and and bassy. And I really, I really like the sound of it. The squelchy electric guitars that just kind of sound like quite a lot of the time, and that is about as good an impression as I can do. Um, they're fantastic. Um, the lyrics are not in English, so I googled them, and um, there's things like uh, a lyric like "death to death." Um, seems to be like the main recurring theme that goes goes through it. So I'm not absolutely sure um, exactly what they're talking about, but yeah, death to death, man. And um, I kind of, my, my sort of takeaway from the whole track was that this sounds a bit like what would happen if Black Sabbath played funk. That's a little bit how I would describe it. It's got that kind of late 70s heaviness, but it's also got funkiness to it as well. Um, it's not just metally; it's it's got kind of something else going on. Um, so I I think it's a I think it's a corker, um, and uh, it's it's so cool that music like this exists. I mean, it, it's so unpredictable. I mean, I'm in a band that's about to release a record after what like a seven year layoff, um, and we had a pandemic in the middle of that as well, which really slowed us down. Um, these guys have just been away for like <laughs> makes me feel like yeah. seven years is maybe not actually it's not all that bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see if there's any more to come. I don't know if they'll actually make any brand new music together or not. But um, mm. but yeah, it's it's great that they're that, that they're a going concern. And uh, I'd definitely be up for seeing them live if they ever made it over to the UK or Scotland. Yeah. Um. So which we intend to cause havoc. There you go. Which. Um. Cool. So that takes us on to our uh, second new track of this week. And this one is uh, Loyal Karner. Um, and uh, did you happen to see the music video for this one? I'll just say this before we listen to the track. I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Like it's it's, got, it's filmed with an infrared camera. Um, yeah, it's very kind of uh, warts and all, isn't it? Kind of un- very unvarnished. Yeah. But, um, but it gets across the one of the main concerns in the song, the kind of lyrical conceits in the song. Yeah. Uh, really well, I think. Yeah. Okay, so uh, as well as listening to the track, um, I would recommend everybody go and, go and catch the music video here for uh, Nobody Knows um, by Loyal 
Karner. I told the black man he didn't understand I reached the white man he wouldn't take my hand I sat alone in the shadows of a man with my eyes closed Told myself I should have ran I'm the boss and I'm supposed to have a plan But can't think till I figure who I am Are you lost huh? or are you just another man Sitting in my sunshine trying to catch a tan Listen, outside I can feel the sun's rain I love it, inside I was bumping John Wayne Made peace, you can never say the wrong name Say my last one long game And don't fuck it up, say reveal nothing Guys I used to run with a steady still puffing But what did they expect? Yo, what did they expect? Hey yo, I never used to think of the effect When my dad passed, straight biological neglect The other one, sunset, sitting on the steps I was left, mum came, heavy in her breath Tears on my face, transferring to her chest I was left, and she would say he ain't coming but I can tell him that you love him And I'm a shout, nah, love means nothing Say I wanna hug, I wanna talk, I want something See, I read the black man, he wouldn't take my hand Told the white man, he didn't understand I sat alone in the shadows of a man with my eyes closed Told myself I should have ran, I'm the boss And I'm supposed to have the plan But can't think till I figure who I am Are you lost, or are you just another man Sitting in my sunshine my eyes wide, tears cried, the news lied, but he died, so who am I? And yo, I'm asking, who am I? Because my kid will maybe have them blue eyes, and he won't understand the pain that's in mine. And late at night I wonder, maybe that's why, because I never want to hear the same cry from a kid who doesn't fit in to the world that he lives in. A half cast, just kidding, wear a mask, just kidding, move arse, just whip him, you're no sitting. No living, and yo, you can't hate the roots of the tree, and not hate the tree. So how can I hate my father without hating me? I told the black man he didn't understand. Reached the white man he wouldn't take my hand. Sat alone in the shadows of a man with my eyes closed. Told myself I should have ran. I'm the boss, and I'm supposed to have the plan. But can't think till I figure who I am. Are you lost? Or are you just another man sitting in my sunshine, trying to catch a tan? Okay, so that is uh, Nobody Knows by Loyal Corner. Um, and yeah, super powerful video, this one. And a super powerful track, like, uh, in general, I would say. Um, something that we'll maybe uh, break into or uh, dig into in a little minute here. Um, who is this Loyal Corner chap, anyway? Uh, yeah, Loyal Corner is a British rapper from Lambeth, South London. Um, and his real name is Benjamin Gerard Coyle Larner. So his stage name is a spoonerism of that double-barreled name. 
and also a reference to his childhood struggle with ADHD and dyslexia. So it's kind of like a playful nod to that, really. Um, and by all accounts, uh, aside from the music, uh, Loyal Karno is an all-round good egg. Um, so he runs a cooking school for children with ADHD called Chili Con Karno. <laughs> that's nice. He, that's cute. He does, he does a lot of uh, work with the charity uh, Calm, so campaign against living miserably, mm-hmm. uh, which is all to do with preventing male suicide. So yeah, he does a lot of work with them as well. So yeah, a good lad and uh, a fine musician as well. I think um, I enjoyed his uh, debut quite a bit. It's called Yesterday's Gone. That came out in 2017 and was uh, nominated for the Mercury. Um, I must admit. Uh, the follow-up passed me by somewhat. Uh, it was called Not Waving But Drowning. Um, but I have been paying attention to these more recent tracks that are coming out uh, as taster tracks for his forthcoming album. So he's got an album called Hugo that's coming out on the 21st of October. And uh, this is the latest uh, teaser track. And um, it feels like it kind of deliberately harks back to that first album. Um, so the first track I heard by him was the opening track of that album. It was called Isle of Aaron, and it was built around um, a gospel sample and explored uh, fatherhood and masculinity. And it had a group of young dads in the video as well, just kind of walking about. And, and he kind of like, deliberately, like put, out a, put out a note and said, I, you know, I want to be surrounded by these people and kind of shout them out kind of thing. Um, and he's kind of exploring similar things here. Although the production values are a lot stronger this time around, when that beat comes in, it hits a lot harder mm-hmm. than his um, kind of early recordings. And uh, yeah, I think he sounds in control and command. He's very confident. And as you say, it's kind of it's a big sounding track. It's kind of demands uh, demands that, that it's listened to and demands the, the listener's attention. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is a brilliant track, actually. Yeah. Um, I think the it's got three things which I think make it kind of stand out um, as something that, as you say, demands to be listened to recently. So one is the music video, which we've talked about a little bit. Um, the other are lyrics, which are very, very powerful and kind of try and smash you around the head with, with meaning and feeling and stuff. So yeah. that as well. And then, as you said, it's all it's all set against this backdrop this kind of heady brew of uh, of of elements that I think make up um something that's meaningful but also poppy um and fun as well as and playful as well as kind of serious as well so it's a clever track um there's a lyric in here which kind of slapped me around the chops a little bit because he describes not having a father as biological neglect um, I don't know if you caught that lyric. Is it? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of lyrics here that flew past, but that one I mm-hmm. just thought, wow, like wow, uh, that's kind of an arresting way of putting it. Um, but it's not all about blaming other people. I think he sees his own place in the world, and he's thinking about fatherhood um, himself and, and where it's placed him. So it's it's quite a it's quite a rounded track as well. You know, it's not just anguish. It's there's there's other elements of self analysis here. Um, and I'm kind of doing it at the service. I know everyone's heard it already if they've listened if they listened to the podcast, but that makes it sound kind of cold, and it's not. It's quite warm, um, yeah. I think. Um, and uh, from a musical point of view as well, 
it's 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 really a beautifully put together thing, but it's almost slightly retro now. I would say this is the sound of maybe like maybe not quite as much as twenty years ago, but like fifteen to twenty years ago, um, where you've got like the combination of like sampling, uh, soul sampling, and you've also got like big synths, sonorous synths in the background, and these big bombastic drums. It all just sounds like Pete Kanye to me. The backing track, mm-hmm. um, which I mean that as a, an absolute compliment as well because some of that stuff is absolutely genius um but it's also got of course a london a london slant on it as well a lambeth slant on it um so it makes it you know unique from that as well so overall though i think this is just a like a really well put together well thought out um you know no no pretension at all it's just like it's just honest and warm um, but serious too and and thought provoking so and I mean that about the whole package the music the video the lyrics everything um, so yeah uh, Loyal Carner, I think uh, yeah it's great great track yeah smashed it um, I should say that the sample this time around comes from um, an act called Pastor T.L. Barrett and the Youth for Christ Choir and um I can highly recommend pretty much anything by them. Just absolutely sensational uh, gospel group. And uh, this sample comes from their uh, reworking of the the standard "Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen." So it kind of that kind of gets across the the idea, of the kind of emotional timbre of this track. I guess that kind of turmoil that he's kind of going through. And there's the kind of references to the fact that he's grown up being uh, mixed race as well. Mm. Um, so he feels like he's he's neither at home with the black people or the white people in his community, and and how that kind of shaped him growing up as well, as well as the 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 kind of difficulties that he had uh, growing up without with an absent father as well. Apparently, he had very minimal contact with his dad, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of shaped him. And, and yeah, there's that kind of now that he's a dad of himself, he's kind of worried about um, you know whether whether that that's gonna um, you know impact his child in the same way um, I thought I thought that that lyric about um, you know you can't hate the roots of the tree and not hate the tree so how can I hate my father without hating me mm. for that was quite an amazing lyric yeah um, and um, yeah that's him kind of wanting to try and forgive his dad I guess so that he can be a good dad for his child yeah it's uh, uh, a really cool idea the 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 Metaphor, the tree metaphor there is is so perfect as well because um, trees are natural objects as well that drop seeds and and grow, you know, and and all that sort of stuff. So it's a perfect, it really is a perfect uh, piece of imagery, really for for what he's talking about. So it is so cleverly done, the whole thing, and yet doesn't just come across as like swatty. It comes across as no. warm. Yeah, it's it's really really good. It is really good. Big cool. thumbs yep. up for loyal then. No, definitely. All right. So well, shall we move on to our third new track? And I think this is going to be the most controversial track of the week, do we think, perhaps? Am I am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of keen to get your thoughts on this. I did so, I did listen then. to the whole this is Mars Volta we're about to talk about here, and I did listen to the whole um the whole record at your recommendation. So I have things to say about this particular track, Black Light Shine, but also I did listen to the whole record. Um, so uh, it depends, I guess a little bit it depends 
to our listeners how much experience they've had of the Mars Volta up to this point. So if you, like myself, and I'm guessing Andrew as well, are pretty familiar with the Mars Volta's previous records, um, <laughs> then this is going to be a bit of a surprise to you, I think. It was to me. Um, and if uh, if you're not familiar with the Mars Volta, then I, I don't know what you're going to make of this. I really don't. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's just batter straight into it. So this is Black Light Shine uh, by the Mars Volta from the new self-titled record. Here we go. So that was Mars Volta and Black Light Shine. Um, and yeah, I was keen to bring this track in and I was keen to get your opinion on the album because I know that you've really enjoyed some of their work in the past and especially some of the uh, some of the, the members work without the drive-in as well. Oh yeah, I love it. So, so what, what is it that's appealed about their music in the past and then what did you make of this? I think the thing, if I start with at the drive-in to begin with, 
and the record relationship in, uh, of command, which the two main chaps in the Mars Volta were both in at the drive-in. So it's really their, in a way you're listening, if you're listening to at the drive-in and then the Mars Volta, you're listening to their connected output over what is now nearly 25 years or 30 years or something. So they've got a really strong, you know, um, relationship. I don't have their names written down right in front of me. Do you happen to know them off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, so there's Omar Rodriguez Lopez and Cedric Pixar Zabella. Yeah, those, wow. so those two guys. Yeah, so they've got a very, very long musical history with each other. And if you listen to it at the drive-in, it was like, um, it, it was new metal, I guess, is the best way to describe it, but it had nothing to do with Limp Biscuit or anything like that. And it had a kind of like chaotic quality. The The record uh, relationship of Command is a very, very, very powerful unrelenting record um and uh, i really recommend if you if you if you want to check it out at the drive and go and watch their performance um on jules holland which you can find on youtube which is oh, just yeah. which is just mental they're just like <laughs> going crazy um and it's a good Throwing watch chairs around oh and- it's mad it's mad brilliant and that's how i was first introduced to them and i thought well this is cool um so then they kind of just sort of went away um and then they were replaced by the Mars Volta. And the Mars Volta had a couple of records in the early 2000s, um, the first being Deloused in the Comatorium. Um, and if that sounds like a really sort of wacky, pretentious title for a rock record, it, it is, right? And it, as well as having elements of uh, touches of at the drive-in's metal intensity, it also had um, psych and prog and loads of Latin rhythms and stuff. And really you asked me the question what was it that appealed about early Mars Volta stuff it was just that it did not comply with any of the musical rules that we had all become familiar yeah. with over a long period of time you had tracks that were like eight nine ten minutes long wig outs um you had lyrics that literally looked like cryptic crossword puzzle clues um and it was just i i just found the whole thing fascinating kind of funny in a way um and really unique and it was something that, you, you know, after a, a period of time with, and just to circle back to our original conversation, if you spent money on these records, you were sort of obliged to give yourself some time to listen to them. And they worked on you over time. And you realised that there were, like, melodies and, and things inside these complex prog, you know, what apparently impregnable tracks. There was actually good stuff going on in there yeah. if you just gave it time. Um, so, um, yeah, they, they, they became even more obscure from there. Um, and that leads us to a big long layoff that they had, and now this new record called called the Mars Volta. Um, I'm aware that I'm talking a lot here. I hope this is all right. No, that's all good stuff. So I basically kind of expect I, I would expect anything with the Mars Volta. Like I, so, when I hit play on that, I had absolutely no concept of what I was going to hear. So I was expecting something like wild and crazy and jazzy and Latin and metal and all this kind of stuff all jammed together. And actually, what did we get? This is probably the most, this particular track is probably the most accessible Mars Volta track there's ever been. Like yeah. anyone could listen to this. This could be played on, I won't say Radio 1, but this could be played on Radio 2, no problem. Um, and it's got an actual chorus with lyrics that make sense that you can follow along with and sing along with. It's got melody. Um, it's got lovely Latin rhythm. It has a kind of like breezy sort of 
almost like Toto-esque kind of Caribbean rock. It's like something you'd hear <laughs> on a yacht or something. Yeah. Um, and it's Some nice it's, hand claps. Yeah, lovely. It's beautifully recorded as well. The whole thing has been put together very, very carefully. The the lyrical, uh, sorry, not lyrical, the vocal style is immediately obvious that it's the Mars Volta and and at the drive-in. It's, the, it's that vocal style, the sort of nasally kind of thing um, and, the, and the accent and everything. There's a controlled tempo, but it, then it's got these like uncanny bongos going on as well. And um, Mars Volta used to, and at the drive-in, used to teeter into like out of control rhythmic explosions that would just be just just sound crazy. And this is just so controlled by comparison. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're not as chaotic as they were 20 years ago. If I talk about that, and the whole record is like this as well. So it's a long, it's 14 tracks, but not one of them is over four minutes. Um, and uh, if I just, I'll, I know I've talked a lot, but I'm going to just finish off by saying something which I think is really important to understanding this record, which is that um, that first Mars Volta record that I referred to, Deloused in the Comatorium, was about a very, very dark experience about a, a friend committing suicide. Um, and so the chaos of that record is actually sort of best understood as kind of musical grief in a way. Um, and yet, this record is actually in some ways darker because they're talking about um, Bexler Zavala leaving Scientology, um, his wife accused a member of the Scientology group that they were in or church, I think that's the right phrase, um, of sexual assault and murdering her dogs. Yes, I did say that, murdering her dogs and of, you know, uh, stalking them and all this kind of stuff. And so they are are musically less chaotic. uh, And actually the fact the lyrics are intelligible this time round actually makes them in a way more shocking because you can actually really understand you know, literally understand what he's talking about as opposed to maybe just emotionally understand. Um, so this non-controversial musical style does not feel like the Mars Volta. And yet I don't hate it either. I, I'm just, I'm, I just need to spend longer with it. So that was a lot. I'm, I said a lot of things there, Andrew. Sorry, answered the question long form there. No, I guess all good stuff. That's what I wanted to, to hear about this week. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I really enjoy the first two Mars Volta records, so Deloused and uh, Francis the Mute as well. Mm. Uh, both both really kind of adventurous, you know, really kind of endlessly fascinating records, and you kind of you kind of touched upon that. Um, and this album has been kind of getting some of those kind of more hardcore fans is get, getting their backs up a little bit just because it is so different in terms of the presentation in terms of the, the song lengths and just the accessibility of it as well. It's almost kind of, in this track, it's almost like a kind of future funk that they're going for. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of like um, what Yesaya were doing in some of their kind of later albums and like TV and the radio kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, is a bit of, it is a bit of a departure, but I, I've spent a little bit of time with the album uh, this week and I think it is a bit of a grower. Um and I do, I do enjoy this track quite a bit. And uh, yeah, the, 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 there's definitely invention. It's definitely controlled, but there's invention in there. Some of the kind of the, the drums for kind of a track like Blank Condolences, some of the drums on that are just really, really cool. Um, there's, there's, there's attempts at like ballads at, yeah. at points on, on the album. There's one called Vigil that, that, that kind of is structured like a power ballad, which is quite strange. I'm not entirely sure if it works or not. 
but it's definitely different for them. Mm. And uh, there's some kind of proggier moments as well. There's one called Equus Free towards the end, which is a fantastic track that kind of harks back a little bit more to that kind of classic sound. But as you say, it's still under four minutes, I think. So it's a bit, it's a bit kind of tightly constructed. But yeah, I think that this is an album that you can kind of delve into. And as you say, that you can pull out some of the, the lyrics as well. And they are kind of decodable in a way yes. that some of the previous stuff hasn't been. So yeah, I, I think I think maybe fans are kind of dismissing this album a bit too quickly. I would say so. I would say so. I wouldn't quite put myself in a, as a Mars Volta fan, but in preparation for talking about this, I went through and looked at their back catalogue and remembered that I'd listened um, intently to each record um, and had, you know, really kind of done my best to decipher the meaning behind them, even sort of the sort of latter ones, which were a bit more like... I mean, obscure would be the nicest way of putting it, yeah. but like, um, what was the last record? Record was Nocturnicae in 2012. I really enjoyed that one actually, and then backwards through Octahedron and the Bedlam and Goliath. I really, really liked all of these records, um, and that was their, you know, that wasn't their their sort of most accessible high point, which is probably Francis the Mute, their second record. Um, and I, I don't generally do a, a vinyl word, and I'm not going to do one now, but if, if anyone wants to listen to the Mars Volta and they're looking for, like, what's a starting point, I, I wouldn't say this. Um, I wouldn't say this, but I would say um, go back and listen to Francis the Mute, listen to the track The Widow, um, yeah. which is just phenomenal. Like, it's, in a, it's just an, an amazing piece of music. Um, and actually kind of crossed almost into mainstream at the time. I would say it was, it was, it was, you could hear it in films and on TV shows and, and things. It was, it was, it was about. So, um, so yeah, I love listening to this song. I, I just don't know ultimately what I, what I really think about it. It'll take a, a week or two to settle on me, but they are never short of doing something which just takes you by surprise, it takes you out of your comfort zone. And here it's by going into a very, very sort of, safe and comfortable musical genre didn't see that coming <laughs> did not see it coming good excellent cool so are we ready to are we ready to move on to track four i'll speak a lot less from this point on i promise um so this is view Farkaturi and krangbin am i right you are correct you love krangbin you do <laughs> don't try and kid on you don't you love krangbin I do like them. <laughs> so this is their track, <laughs> Tamala. Here we go.
Tamala by uh, View Farkaturi and uh, Krangbin. And Andrew, I was I was doing my research on View Farkaturi, and I read this um, an interview with him. There's a quotation here, and he says, "This is talking about the whole his whole new record here, not just this track in particular, but I think it applies to this track." He says, "It's about the love that Ali brought to into the world. That's his dad." It's about the love that I have for him and that Krangbin has for his music. It's about pouring your love into something old to make it new again. And he underlines it by saying, I want this album to convey love. And I just thought that really sums up how my, my feelings about this track. Um, and especially once you know kind of the, the sort of backstory behind the record as well. So I don't know if you think that's a useful place to start with this one. No, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So I get as a labor of love, and uh, yeah, there's there's a feeling of warmth and love that that that's kind of pours through this track and pours through the album, I think, and a kind of a kind of soulfulness as well uh, that's really come out through this pairing as well. So um, as you said, uh, View Farkaturi is the son of Ali Farkaturi who is kind of known for being one of the most influential and gifted, talented, respected uh, guitarists that Africa has ever produced. And is kind of known for being the originator of that desert blues sound that, that so many people now play and love. And, you know, we've played some of it on the podcast as well. And um, I think his son, while loving his dad, obviously, is kind of, maybe lived in his shadow a little bit and he's kind of tried his best to kind of move away from that as much as possible. Um, so Ali Farker today was kind of known as the African John Lee Hooker, whereas uh, View, his, um, his alias is the Hendrix of the Sahara. So he's kind of going in a slightly wilder direction and he incorporates um, some other elements as well. So he brings in some reggae. He's had uh, artists remix some of his albums as well. And he's done a lot of kind of interesting collaborations over the years as well. And it's only really recently that he started to kind of turn towards his dad's catalogue and look at making some music in that style uh, with the previous album that he had this year. And now he's got this um, pairing with Krangbin where they've taken uh, tracks from the dad's catalogue and, uh, you know, quite dramatically re reworked them in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Uh, we, we talked about Krangbin um, in relation to the collaboration that they did with Leon Bridges um, at the start of the year. And I said that, you know, uh, Krangbin up until that point had been mostly an instrumental group. And I said that the stuff that I really enjoyed was the stuff that they did with, with Leon Bridges, the kind of vocalist over the top of it. And mm -hmm. it did kind of bring out the best in both, I think. And I think you get that here as well. On this album, um, I, mean, I mean, this album has been getting great reviews. It got a five star review uh, in the Guardian um, last week, and I find it a little bit mystifying, to be honest. I think it's one of those albums that can drift into the background a little bit, and it's kind of designed for that to, to a degree, you know, to be kind of mood music. Um, but I think that kind of stops it being a five star album for me. Mm -hmm. But there are some really special moments on it. Um, and I think this is one of them. Um, it tends to be that they just kind of relax into some kind of groove. And we've talked before with Krangbin, they kind of bring in so many different elements, you know, from 
funk and psych and dub and you know it's that kind of idea of fourth world music that we've talked about before as well and but they're just so kind of seamless in terms of the way that they merge them together and smooth smooth all together that they just create these kind of mirages of sound that kind of circle um constantly um on top of each other and you get that several times in this record and you get it on this track as well and in some ways it doesn't matter if the track is two minutes long or 20 minutes long you know once it kind of gets into that groove and you kind of relax into it um it it, it can really kind of work its magic on you yeah. um and as i say on this track it, there's that kind of added soulfulness that that makes it stand out on the album for me um, it's a cracking track it yeah it's, it's it's really expansive like this this yeah. song and it's it's quite long i guess at five and a half minutes long it's pretty long yeah. um and it takes a minute to sort of wash over you um and it builds this sort of chant like um kind of feeling uh, over time. I really like uh View Farcaturi's guitar playing. It's like I, I, I was trying to think of a, a verb to describe it, but I kept coming up with things like fiddling and diddling and stuff, <laughs> which don't seem particularly respectful, but it, it sort of is that. It's it's like there's no he's not really playing chords, it's just like a constant stream of melody. Um, that sometimes follows the vocal line and sometimes is just playing other melodies, but it's constantly just kind of uh, twiddling away. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, Krangbin are doing this like ultra modern, ultra smooth, simple, solid stuff behind it. And it, it builds a track into this, this big thing. And my favourite bit, Four minutes in, you think you know what's going on with this track. You think you've got it kind of pegged. You're like, oh, this is just sort of atmospheric and all that sort of stuff. And then out of nowhere, that really cool, mm -hmm. we've talked about it recently, that really cool African drum rhythm comes in where the snare hits at this like odd, you know, early part of the, the beat uh, of the bar, sorry. Um, and then there's these call and answer uh, vocals. And that last minute are a real unexpected delight in this track for me. Yeah. Um, and they, they, I think if this track was just the first four minutes, I'd probably say, oh, it's really good and, and I like it and it's a nice atmosphere and so on. But I wouldn't have a huge amount to say about it. But the last minute, take it to a different place. And it's that last minute that I think you can feel the, feel the love and the warmth for this genre of music and the roots that it comes from. And you can, the two parts join together really well. Something that's modern, something that's more kind of rootsy. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought this was really good as well. Good, yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm not totally in love with the whole album. There are little bits that, that feel a little bit more faint and a little bit, um, you know, less fleshed out. I, I, and they don't have those progressions that, that you've kind of talked about there. Um, but, yeah, it is, it is a lovely listen. Um and something that you can you can put on and as you say kind of lose yourself in and let it wash over you uh, whilst also kind of recognizing the love yeah you better you, you better lose yourself in the music in the moment you know where i'm going with this <laughs> and, um, just just quoting eminem i'm not really sure why um anyway that's i'm just talking shite there for no reason at all so that um view farcatori and krangbin record um would you say it's worth checking out still, or you, you think it's it's kind of a bit passy? No, it's definitely worth checking out. If you enjoyed that track, definitely check it out. Okay, 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, as I said, just not completely bowled over with it the way some people have been. Fair enough. Okay. So our last new track of the week is by uh, Ari Lennox. Um, as you said earlier, not to be confused with Annie. Um, neither the film nor the singer Annie Lennox. Um, so let's have a wee listen to this track, um, which is Queen Space featuring Summer Walker. When I let you taste, let it free your brain. The way you take, you and the patient. When I let 
Ari Lennox there with um, Queen Space. So, Andrew, um, tell us all about Ari Lennox. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, her real name is Courtney Shinada Salter, and uh, she's an American R&B singer from Washington, D.C., and she is signed to J. Cole's record label. And uh, this track is taken from her just-released second album, which is called Age, Sex, Location. And um, it's a very kind of modern take on R&B, I would say. Although it's it, musically, it's kind of pulling from a lot of that kind of late 90s, early 2000s stuff. So I think like people like Jill Scott, Erica Badu, uh, maybe a little bit of Tony Braxton in there as well. Uh, but it has a lot of kind of references to uh, modern dating. So, for example, that the first track's called "Poff," as in plenty of fish. Oh, okay. And um, there's a track called "Waste My Time," which is uh, kind of her kind of begging people to to waste her time. And um, later on, there's a track called "Leak It." Which is about kind of leaking pictures, and there's one called "Blocking You." So it's it's it's, it's almost kind of works like a kind of uh, you know some kind of concept album about dating and um, you know being disillusioned and finding someone, then somebody wanting to take her home and she's not liking it, and then she's blocking them kind of thing. And uh, this track comes right at the end of the album, so this is the closing track, Queen Space, and it's kind of all about her, kind of you know you know claiming that she's a queen and thinking, I am a queen and I deserve better than this and it's, 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 all, it's that kind of idea so after kind of going through you know all these kind of dating misdemeanors and the rest of the record this is her kind of saying that I'm, I'm going to wait until I find somebody who's, who's worth worth me kind of thing and uh, yeah I've been enjoying this record quite a bit it's, I think it's one of the, the best R&B albums that I've heard this year and it's, it's got that kind of um you know, that kind of sultry sexiness to it. And it's got that kind of sex positivity thing that we've talked about before with people like Yaya Bay and Amber Marks. Um, so she's kind of kind of owning it, I guess. And um, she's also a really good singer, I think. Um, not kind of overstated, but a very good singer. And she works well with Summer Walker here, who's another really fine R&B singer. And they've done a few kind of collaborations together. And there's a lot of people that are kind of wanting an album duet between the two of them because they feel that their voices work really well in harmony with each other. So yeah, I just I just enjoy this track. It's got a it's got a kind of pillowy sultriness to it that, that I enjoy. And it, I think it works quite well as a closer as well. It's got a kind of an uplift to it, which sends the album out in a high for me. But you said that that you had some interesting opinions on this one. So yeah, hated it. Go for it. Hated it. Oh really? Yeah, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I listened to it precisely twice, right? Okay. And the second time was just to give myself like to just check that I really didn't like this <laughs> and to make notes about what I didn't like about it. And okay. uh, that's that's the only reason I gave it a second spin. And I'll tell you this, Andrew, it's been a very, 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 very long time since we've had a track on this <laughs> podcast that I actually don't really like. Um, yeah. Because even if stuff's from genres that I'm not ultimately like, 
uh, not my favourite. And this isn't one of my favourite genres. Absolutely not, right? But um, but uh, you know, I give you know, give everything a, a fair spin or whatever. And that yeah, yeah, Bay track you were talking about that we listened to before, I did really enjoy that um, when we listened to it at the time. It's not my favourite thing. I've not listened to it like a hundred times since, but I didn't hate it. Um, and hate is a strong word, so I'm, I'm going to maybe step backwards from hate, but. I'll start with a positive. The two female vocals here, Annie Lennox and Summer Walker, are very good. Agreed, 100%. Not super overstated. Very controlled. Great vibrato. Um, and yeah, so I can appreciate the the beauty of the singing voices. But when it comes to the the actual music and instrumentation of this track, um, and particularly the lyrics, I'm just was kind of like in a place of despair. Like this, like sort of ultra, ultra smooth sound with no rough edges anywhere. It's like, it's too perfect for me. It's just like, it's almost like being recorded by robots or something. Um, it's just got no, I, I don't feel any emotion towards it. It just makes me feel cold. I just I just don't like it. Um, and ultimately, I don't really have a great explanation for that, to be honest. I just get it, I just don't like it. It's too smooth, something about it. Um and I, I can do a bit of that, but it was just sickly sweet to me. Um, and the lyrics, I mean, I I Googled them, right? Because I thought, I'm not really getting what this is about. And I, I do understand from having done a bit of background reading um, and I've, you know, had read a little bit about the, the kind of things about dating and all that sort of stuff. And the album's called Age, Sex, Location. And it's harking back to like forums and, and you know, chat rooms from the early 2000s and stuff. So I kind of got all that in concept, and that's quite interesting. But what are these lyrics about? Like, here is the chorus, right? You ready for this? Um, Don't waste my queen space. True elevation when I let you taste. Let it rearrange the way you think. I can't make sense of that. I cannot make sense of that. And it's not, I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's trying to like paint me a word, uh, you know, a word painting or a word picture here. I think it is supposed to make sense, but it just kind of doesn't. I don't know what don't waste my queen space means. Um, uh, other than, uh, I don't know. She thinks she's a queen, I guess. that You, you said that. I, I don't. Yeah, don't don't come into my queen space if, you, if you're not worth it. I, I get what that means. Uh, it's not for me. It's just, it's just not for me. I have, I, I'm aware, have slipped into old man yelling at clouds for this part of the review. Um, but, uh, I just I just don't get it. It's just it doesn't work for me. And actually, if I could roll backwards into um the review of uh View Farcatori for a minute ago, you know you were saying like um like uh the Guardian gave it five stars, but you think maybe that's a bit like generous from a from a star rating point of view. Um I think it's weird that that the Guardian and other, you know, music papers still still use a sort of Five, four, three, two, one, yeah. zero, or whatever. I just think it's weird because, like, I mean, oh, objectively, a piece of music can be terrible, right? It can be discordant, it can be disorganized, badly recorded. But then there's music that's badly organized, discordant, badly recorded, um, that is all time classic and genius, like the Shags or, you know, various parts of punk or whatever. Um, so there's not even there's not even a basic standard that we can all agree on for that. Um, no. So when it comes to whether something's really really good or just 
just a little bit good. It really does come down to the, the preference of the listener. Um, so for me, yeah, sorry, I think sorry, just to get put in there for a second. I think I think you're right in that it got five stars because, like, like you said, oh, you you love Karangban. I think Alex Petridis loves them. You know, and he was, yeah. he was almost like reviewing the previous album to a degree because he just he loved that so much, and so he just he just likes the vibe, and it's it's just totally it just totally hits him in the right spot. So therefore, yeah. it's five stars. You know, um, and and that is just total listener preference. Yeah, and it's weird as well because something like five stars implies objective, implies yeah. that if you do all these things, then you'll get five stars. When that's not yeah. true because it yeah. is ultimately subjective. So that brings me to this. So this might be five stars for somebody. Like it's absolutely might be five stars for somebody. But uh, I, if I were to rate it out at five stars, I, I don't think I would give it five. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh. It just made from the moment I saw that her name as well. I just wanted to listen to Annie Lennox the whole time. <laughs> um, and final, final part of my review is there's the last ten seconds. There's a nice little bit of jazzy piano that's just sort of played uh, on its own, and that's probably the best bit of the whole track. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like a wee coda to the album. Yeah, we could, yeah. Uh, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I think I've had a good run of it. Uh, oh, aye. oh aye. up until this point. Uh, please let us know, uh, either way, guys. Who who are you with this week? Do you think this is a a, a very fine track like I do, or do you think it's all the nonsense like like you <laughs> <and do? laughs> It's good every now and again to have a sort of cathartic like uh, sort of rant about about a track. <laughs> I feel like you 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 deny yourself that because you often you you're, you're picking things that you like. You should pick something you deliberately don't like, so you can slag it off one time. Feels good, man. Feels good. <laughs> yeah, when I only have five tracks to bring in every week, I feel like it's a bit of a waste if I'm just bringing in something to trash it. But I know. But yeah, maybe I'll do that one week. Maybe that'll feel good. Maybe we should do a Muse special one week and get the whole, <laughs> whole Muse record on. Oh my god! Um, right, well, guys, we've reviewed five new tracks, so it's that time of the week where Andrew brings in something which is. Um, subjectively good, something he really loves from his own personal collection of records um, and it's linked in some way to the things we've listened to today, so it's it's what we call the vinyl word and whilst he's getting himself prepared to tell us all about that I'm just going to say once again thank you so much for listening, I said it last week and I'm going to say it again this week, our listener numbers are up, so there must be new folk out there, so hello if you're out there um, we love it when you message us on Instagram. We love it when you send us uh, tweets and, and and all that sort of stuff. And if you want to talk about the show with us, give us suggestions, feedback on what we've said or whatever. If you think I'm massively wrong about Ari Lennox or whatever, then please just message us. That's great. Um, listening to the show and commenting is the number one way to support us. If you feel like you can support us financially, if you want to do that, then do you know what, Andrew? What? They can, they can, they can do it, they can do it, no problem. They just go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash wondos. You can buy us a couple of um, mochas or a couple of lattes, and we don't actually take it in liquid form. We just put all that money towards the ongoing um, running costs of the podcast. Big shout out this week to uh, one of our listeners who bought us a couple of coffees. Um, one of your pals, I believe, Andrew? It, it was. Uh... It was my father-in-law, in fact. What was your father-in-law? Sorry, I, I, yeah. mixed, I screwed that one up. Yeah, yeah, he really enjoyed the uh, the music uh, biopics one last week, ah. and uh, yeah, he chucked us 
some coffees and very grateful. So thank you, Big Steve. Thank you, Big Steve, indeed. It was, I got confused because I thought because it was Big Steve, I thought it was your mate. And then, but it wasn't, it was your brother-in-law. My mistake, my apologies. But anyway, thanks. If you want to contribute to the show like that, then you absolutely can. So, so do it over there. So that leads us on then finally to um, our vinyl word this week. Andrew, take it away. Yeah, thank you. So with the Laurel Carner track, I said it was a sample from a track by Pastor T.L. Barnett, or Barrett, sorry, and the Youth for Christ Choir. And uh, yeah, I've decided to kind of spotlight them and play us out with a track from them this week. Um, there was a, a box set that came out uh, last year by New World Group uh, that was called I Shall Wear a Crown. And it was bringing together uh, the three main albums that, that were released under uh, the name of Pastor Teal Barrett. And it's just an absolutely stupendous uh, box set. It's just so good. And um, the track that I've, I've chosen to, to play is probably, the, it's definitely the most famous moment. It's called uh, Like a Ship. And um, I think I heard this track for the first time about 12 years ago, something like that. And it just absolutely blew my mind when I first heard it. It's just a really transcendent piece of music. And it just always kind of gives me that feeling, you know, uh, listen to it now. And it's one of those tracks that a lot of musicians have kind of picked up on over the years. And, you know, it's one of those tracks that as soon as you kind of discover it, you want to kind of share it with people and kind of um, enthuse evangelically about it. And um, yeah, I just I'm I, I'm just kind of jealous of anybody that's maybe hearing it for the first time here because it's just wonderful. I think it's, it just it's the, the whole kind of uh, conceit of it is like like a ship without a sail. Um, you know, they're kind of, you're kind of adrift, uh, but and then there's this kind of uh, affirmation all the way through. I know we can make it. I know we can make it. And the whole track just kind of plays like this kind of like this kind of blessed ship that's kind of being shepherded through a storm before ascending to heaven you know it's just just kind of got this kind of really kind of sublime feel to it i think and um yeah i just wanted to play it on the podcast basically <laughs> and share it with people well it's your so podcast it's, it's, indeed so yeah um so if you if you know it i'm sure you won't mind hearing it again if you are hearing it for the first time just check this out this is an incredible track uh, it's called like a ship Bloody lovely stuff. Okay, well, we'll set sail for another week then, shall we? Ahoy, gym lad, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, see you next week, guys.